Real Community Radio for Bournemouth, Poole and Christchurch. 90.1 Hope FM and HopeFM.com Well, let me ask you a question. Where were you on the 11th of September 2001? I know where I was and certainly my guest this morning, Sharon, Sharon James, knows where she was. Tell them where you were. Uh, I was in Dublin working for United Airlines in their sales and service centre, which actually also doubles up as an emergency response centre in the event of an aircraft accident. Uh, So, yeah, I was the general manager there, um, thought it was an ordinary day, but as we all now know, uh, it was anything but ordinary um, but all these years on, I can look back and see what I've learned from it and how I've used that experience to help me be a better person and a better leader. Now, the interesting thing is that um, that on that day, actually, your dad hadn't been very well. had he? And, and also those issues with your phone, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, uh, I had, the night before, my dad had early onset dementia and was being taken care of in a, a home um, my mum had gone off on a couple of weeks holiday just to, for a bit of respite. She was his main care and uh, he took a turn for the worst. And I'd been in contact with my brother all night about whether I should drive up from Dublin or not. And it was back in the time where it took a little bit longer to get from Dublin to Ballymena, where I'm from. And the road connections weren't as good as they are today. That's right. Um, so actually about three, four in the, three o'clock in the morning, I decided I, I was going to go back home again. I just knew I had to be there with my, 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 my dad because we didn't know. So how was that the 10th? That was the, yeah, the night of the, the 10th night, the into the before. morning of yeah. the 11th. So I got there about 7 o'clock in the morning of the 11th. Um, and we were really just trying to find a way to make sure that my dad's needs were met, uh, to deal with the situation and also avoid bringing my mum back from, from holiday. Um, <clears throat> so we got ourselves organised and we're having a meeting with the home and at that time, my brother asked me if I'd go and pick up his kids, my niece, my nieces from school. And I don't know why it was, but when I was on my way to pick them up, I sort of thought, Do you know what, I don't have a charger for my phone in the car. Because it wasn't something that I used back then yeah. a lot in the car. You <laughs> no, know? no, we're lost without them. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, and something made me go and buy a charger for, for my car. Um, thank goodness I did, and I'll come on and tell you why. But then... Um, just as we were getting ready to leave for the meeting, I uh, said to my brother, I might go on, let's uh, go on back down to Dublin. I'm going to put my case in and we'll see what happens. Just as my friend phoned me and said, are you watching TV? And it's that moment that everybody will know, remember. And I said, no, why? And he said, I think you need to switch it on. And I just knew. I said, there's been an aircraft accident, hasn't there? And he said switch on the TV and I switched it on just as the second United plane was going into the tower and you know yourself when you work for a big corporation you can see the logo from miles away it's just sort of in your you knew it was yeah yeah what was your reaction when you switched on the television you you saw I just I just went into complete I would say that's what panic mode is you know everything just drained for me I couldn't think I I felt like I was panicking and just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's going on here? Um, and it took me a few minutes. But then, like we all now know, the best way to bring yourself out of a panic is just to breathe deeply. So I 
caught hold of myself, started breathing, and then was able to think, what is, what do I need to do now? Because I am away from Dublin. I have 400-odd staff down there. I'm the leader of that business. Uh, my dad's in a home. Um, what's the right thing for me to do? And it's, it, it's, it's one of those, is it Hobson's choice? I mean, the thought yeah. of leaving my father uh, was unthinkable, and yet the thought of not being... Um, there as the leader in that business that day was unthinkable too. Now, in the event, of course, you went, you returned to Dublin to to the centre, and you walked into that building. Mm-hmm. What did you face? Just all these faces looking at me as though some kind of hero had walked in through the door, and everything was going to be okay. You're going to tell them what to do. Yeah. Not having a clue, of course, what you were going to do. No, we were trained and and actually just a few weeks before we had done the um, emergency response drill. You know, emergency response uh, teams will do that every now and again. And we had practiced that a couple of weeks before. But this was this was bigger than anything we had ever imagined. I was talking about an aircraft dealing with an aircraft going into or, or crashing. Uh, so I, I just saw these faces looking at me and I remember taking another breath. Uh, so that would be a big thing that I would tell people when you're in that space, just take time to breathe. And I just turned and said to everybody, you know what, there is no manual for this. We will get through it, but there's no manual. Now, obviously, the European call centre, were all the calls, uh, the European calls, all directed then into your office in Dublin? That's correct. So, so, so the phones were going manic? Mental, mental, yeah. And you, uh, people will be familiar with this. When, uh, when there is an aircraft accident, you'll see the numbers go up, call this number. And, and in that situation, you maybe at most have 300 people on a flight, but you receive thousands and thousands of calls because people just don't know... And what? I suppose you didn't know yourselves at no. that at that point. And then we also found out that for... So we had the UK, France, Germany all coming in. We also found out that some of our... This is technical telephone nodes went through the, the, the trade centre. And so actually we had lost some of our backup lines and we tried to go live with those numbers within like 60 minutes of, of having um, notification of a, an aircraft incident. So it, it was really just, we just all got to, I got them all together in a room and said, right, what is the most important thing right now that we need to do? And, and, and really it was keep the channels open of communication because um, it was constant, it was coming in, the situation was ever changing. Um, we identified what my role would be um, and what different people would do you know, uh, in terms of liaison with the So to the bring airports. sort of order into what was quite chaotic, chaotic. for all of you. Absolutely, yeah. That was the first thing. We needed some clarity of what we were trying to do. And knowing that, right, uh, I have a friend who always says, no plans survives contact with the enemy. So we have a plan. We'll just constantly review. And obviously, a, a changing situation like that, you're, you're reviewing moment by moment. And I suppose thing. the information coming through... You know, in drafts, were you able to maintain link with the airline itself? Because I guess that even at headquarters, it would have been difficult for them to know what was going on. Absolutely, that was the thing. Nobody really knew. We were trying to move forward in some shape or form and be there for for the customers ringing in and give us 
give whatever information we had, but for a long time we didn't have any information, so it was collating people's um, details that were thinking that there was someone on, the um, plane. on that airplane yeah. um, and waiting for essentially what we were waiting for was the early manifest being um, issued which so you would know so that we would know you wouldn't know for a fact that it wouldn't be verified but at least it would allow me to say say Jackie rang in and said I'm thinking that my sister was on that flight take her details and I get to say well actually they're not I can call her back and say you know there's no indication and and so you're you're sifting away the people that aren't you know that there's only going to be 300 people on there so you're you're actually trying to get a, a, the calls away that are just panic calls and actually there's nothing that they need to be worried about today's hope fm breakfast show is brought to you by ace office for business supplies and office furnishing visit ace-office.co.uk and the time is 28 minutes after 8 o'clock. My very special guest this morning, Sharon uh, James, and we're talking about uh, 2001 when the, uh, when the United uh, Airlines planes went into the, the World Trade Centre. And, of course, we all know what happened on that day. Sharon, you had, you had 400 young staff, yeah. and obviously uh, you explained that they were so pleased to see you. <laughs> how, how, did they, how did they cope? Um, amazing, absolutely amazing. This is a fundamental belief of mine as I um, run my leadership practice that people have way more potential than you can even imagine. And it's often in those difficult times that that true leadership emerges from someone rather than them trying to copy someone else. When the backs are against the wall, the best can yeah. come out. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I kind of try to dedicate my life, work and leadership to, to how do you replicate that without the, you know, without the um, catastrophic event. Uh, but people just stepped up to it. You know, these young, when I say young, they, you know, it's their first time job for some of them, first leadership job. And nor, a normal day for them was just, you know, managing thousands of calls around sales and serving or client type thing and nothing selling like, seats on Nothing flights. like... Is yeah. my husband, wife, child safe? Yeah, yeah, nothing like that. And they were just so amazing, totally amazing. They were there, they were kind, they were caring, they were compassionate. Even though some customers, you know, you see the best and the worst of people, I think, at times like that. Yeah, and I suppose, too, that the stress of the situation would also have brought the worst out in some people, you know, because they, they would just probably not be able to cope. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, it actually tended to be triggered possibly by something that a customer had said because they were doing their best to help. Um, you know, air, the airspace shut down completely after that. So as time progressed, we had a backlog of people trying to get back home and really, really, you know, heart-wrenching situations. But how do you prioritise whether someone that's lost their father, daughter, sister, brother or a medic who wants to go out and, uh, and try and help the situation and be on the ground, you know, so it's just seemed impossible and, and people's, I guess, stress levels understandably would tip over at that time. And sometimes that tipped into to my staff and we just looked after them. I think that was my job. You know, I, 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 I didn't try to think what would someone else do here? I just thought. Um, what do I need to do? I was very internally directed by my own set of values in terms of 
love and choice and responsibility and I I lived out those values on that particular day um, as best as I could. Mm. You got um, through it. How many days did it last? Because it, it wasn't just the one day, was it? No, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, we, we, we operated 24-7. That was a Tuesday and we operated 24-7 through to the Friday I slept in the in the call centre and you know, we had shift work and stuff like that. And, you know, people would come in and some someone would, we would assign roles like who's going to be the person that goes and gets the food for us, you know, because yeah. the staff didn't want to go home. Um, they wanted to mm. be there and help. See, one of the things about that whole tragic event was it was incredible, wasn't it? And I went to New York actually soon after and I saw the pictures and the, the wall and so on. But I mean, obviously, we all know that the emergency services, people from all over the world came to help. We saw um, a, a tremendous um, human spirit that, yeah. that, that, that rose during those days. The same that you're explaining that you experienced in, in, in the call centre. Mm-hmm. That, that, that must have been, had a massive impact. I mean, I know now you do bringing the best out in people and management training and so on, but that, that must have had a profound effect. Uh, you know, seeing those people rise to the occasion and then, of course, now you're, you still encourage people to rise to the occasion, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I draw on that experience uh, so often uh, in terms of leadership for people because it really was a defining defining moment in my leadership journey, which is still a journey that I'm on. Uh, and I've had my own mountains to climb since then. <laughs> Haven't but, we all? Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah that's, that's just life, isn't it? But um, yeah, really just uh, that, that message of what people can do when you create the right circumstances and environment. And I'm not saying 9-11 was the right circumstance. I'm saying that when you take you know have clarity and compassion and confidence and courage and the people that you're leading uh you will you know do phenomenal things they will now sharon i'm going to get you back on hope fm lots because i because there's so much that you've got to say and i've got to talk to barry in a moment about the the the, the, the lions club uh, and uh, uh, but but if um if you we're saying in a few words what you're doing now because obviously you are doing management training mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. are so 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 Moving from that, because you're no longer with United Airlines, you're on your own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what are you doing now? Well, I run my own leadership and coaching practice called In Shine Out. And Is I that really, why you're here, so to give me a help? Not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackie did say. She said I know, needed help. Yeah. It, did get, you, Jackie? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm just there trying to develop emotionally intelligent leaders. You know, we all know leaders need to get results, but how do you get them through people in a way that engages them and brings, makes them bring the best of themselves to their work? For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.